Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Strewn Along the Path. And as I've said, I'm, I'm going to kind of use this space to uh, to talk about whatever I want to. Uh, a lot of times it'll have to do with the Journey Into podcast. Sometimes it'll just have to do about me. <laughs> and uh, in this case, I'm going to talk about my writing. Particularly about a story that I wrote for a recent Doonsteep contest. Uh, but, you know, I've I've enjoyed writing most of my life. When I was told to do stories in grade school, I always, you know, went above and beyond and wrote longer stories than anybody else. And, and uh, my teachers always were impressed and encouraged me to continue writing. And so, you know, throughout the years I've I've done so, gotten more serious about it. At different times and I guess at this point I don't know if this is defeatist or downplaying everything I know I can do anything if I want to do it you know I've even got the t-shirt that says your mountain is waiting so get on your way and I, you know I believe that if I really wrote all the time for 10 years and focused myself and sent things out all the time and collected rejection slips like all the people that are serious about writing do. I could become a better writer and a published writer. There just seem to be so many other things that uh, pull me away from that kind of dedication. And I'm kind of at the point now where I figure that's okay. That I can still continue to write. I can still continue to enjoy it. And I'm going to continue to strive to do it on a regular basis. Anyway, I think I've rambled enough about writing in general. But I, I did want to focus on this story that I wrote. Anyway, so to focus on that, you know, Big and Rish had a contest on their podcast, a writing contest, and it was called the Triple Word Score Contest. And the, the basic premise behind the contest was they would randomly pick three nouns, three words, that you would have to substantially use in your story. At least two of the words had to be pretty substantial. You couldn't just throw the words in there randomly and have it really have nothing to do with the main story. They encouraged you to really make those three words, or most of those three words, an integral part of your story. And so <clears throat> I entered the contest. The words that I received were scarecrow, castle and starter and i thought those were good words I, they uh, sparked a lot of different thoughts in my mind at one point i was thinking of doing it kind of like an england type setting where there was a, a castle out in the country and many scarecrows from local farms or whatever descending upon this castle i can't remember exactly what i was thinking um, so anyway, I <clears throat> I started to focus on the word castle and to think about how I could use that creatively, not just do it maybe in a European setting, but maybe put it in an American setting. And I started to think of what would be considered an American castle. And then I remembered when uh, I was <clears throat> working at a gold mine in the middle of nowhere in Nevada that uh, my wife and I, one weekend, we went to Death Valley, and we visited Scotty's Castle in Death Valley. And Scotty's Castle is basically this 
mansion or this vacation home that was built by a millionaire Albert Johnson, uh, who essentially had was being conned by another man named Walter Scott, who was also referred to as Scotty. And you know, Scotty had been a stunt rider in Buffalo Bill Cody's Wild West show back in the late 1800s. And then after he was married, he left the show and tried to be a a gold prospector. You know, that was when the, the gold rush was still going on. And, you know, people were making their fortunes by finding gold. And so he tried his hand at that. It was, wasn't successful. But uh, then he, he kind of became a con man who would con investors into these speculation projects for these gold mines. And he, you know, would essentially take their money and string them along as long as he could. And, and that's eventually he ended up doing that in Nevada. And that's what he was doing with Albert Johnson. He was pretty much conning him. You know, Albert became somewhat suspicious or had heard things or whatever. And so he went out to Nevada to visit the mine and, and he, he got to know Walter Scott and they became friends. Even though I think, you know, Albert knew that he was a con man, they, they became friends and, and Walter Scott, you know, kind of lived off of the Johnsons and he took care of a lot of their things. And so this mansion or vacation home that Albert Johnson built in Death Valley has become known as Scotty's Castle because even though Albert Johnson had built the house, he spent a lot of his time in Chicago. And so... Um, Scotty pretty much took care of the castle and all of the land that uh, the Johnsons owned there in Nevada. He had his own place, but he spent time at the castle as well. And so anyway, long story. So we, we had been through the castle and heard the history and all those things. And so I started thinking, okay, well, I could use Scotty's castle as, as my setting. That That's a unique setting for a castle and kind of a different take on it. And, you know, then I had to think of how to use a scarecrow in there. And I wanted the scarecrow to be something that was very significant to the story. And I started thinking about, you know, the scarecrow is a solitary figure. What does it represent? Those kinds of things. And then I started reading more about Scotty's Castle and Walter Scott and all these things. And there was something in there about Albert Johnson growing these alfalfa fields on his land, or at least attempting to, to try to claim on his taxes that, that he was a homesteader, you know, basically <laughs> trying to, uh, to get out of paying taxes by having farmland out there. And so he had grown these alfalfa fields and they weren't very successful, but they were alfalfa fields. And so I thought, well, you know, I could kind of work that into the story where Walter Scott kind of as a joke built this ramshackled scarecrow out in the middle of the alfalfa fields. And so that was all fictitious. You know, there was nothing about a scarecrow out there, but that's the part that I put in. And just, I guess the more I started thinking about it, the more I, I thought of, I kind of wanted the scarecrow to be a representation of something. And I started thinking about comic books and how could you build a comic book around this type of a setting and a story. And then of course, <laughs> Maybe not, of course, to everybody, but of course to me, I thought of the Man-Thing, which is a Marvel comic character. And the Man-Thing is this swamp monster that lives in the Everglades, 
And, you know, the story goes that there was a scientist named Ted Salas who was uh, trying to work on the uh, super soldier serum, or at least replicate the super soldier serum that gave Captain America all of his abilities. And he was working on that and AIM, the uh, evil spy organization in Marvel Universe, was trying to, to steal the serum. And so in order to save it, he injected himself with the serum, but then he was chased out by the AIM agents and ended up landing in, in the middle of the swamp and, you know, going down to the bottom of the, the swamp there and then basically emerging as the Man-Thing, this swamp monster. And I could go into a lot of, a lot of the, the history of that character, but I, I, for some reason I've always really liked the Man-Thing. It's just something that has always stuck with me, and I've enjoyed those comics and that character. You know, there's been a lot of stupid things that have been done with the man thing, but when it's being written at its best, I I, I really like it. And the th I guess the thing I like most about the man thing is that, you know, it, it's almost a force of nature, even though it's based on this man Ted Salas. He he's hardly ever a part of the story. Uh, the man thing is just this force of nature that reacts to emotions of the people around him. And so the comic book kind of becomes a, an anthology series of all these different people and situations that the Man-Thing comes in contact with in the, in the swamp, in the Everglades. And a lot of the stories were, were really good. The tagline for the Man-Thing became, Whatever knows fear burns at the Man-Thing's touch. As I said, the Man-Thing responded to emotions. And so if there were strong emotions, it could be fear, it could be hate, it could be aggression or anger. Um, you know, those are the things that, that irritated or bothered the Man-Thing, and he tried to get rid of anything that was causing those types of emotions. And so a lot of times he would come to the aid of people that needed his help. And I just, I just really liked that idea that, that this was just kind of an empathic creature that responded to emotions. And so I started running that through my mind about the story. And I guess what I kind of developed in my mind was that Death Valley itself had a personality or had a past. And what would that past be? You know, is there a reason that it became this desolate, dry, extremely hot place called eventually called Death Valley what had caused it to be that way and I kind of developed this history in my mind I didn't fully develop it because I knew I couldn't include it in the story because of the word count but you know basically my thought was that there was this ancient civilization you know before the Indians before any known history this this primordial civilization that existed and, you know, there was this tremendous war or something or a single act of vengeance that ripped this ancient civilization apart. You know, it could have been something like a Cain and Abel type thing, you know, where it was brother against brother and there was a murder of vengeance with these brothers or, you know, just, just something where this, this really evil act of vengeance made Death Valley become what it became, almost like a warning against 
these types of things. And that sporadically through the ages, there have been avatars of, of Death Valley that physically embodied Death Valley for a time and crushed out vengeance or anything like it. And so the Scarecrow would become the avatar. Initially, I had the, the Scarecrow moving around by itself, but I, I wasn't quite sure how to make that work. You know, I, I thought it, it would work better possibly if, you know, they ended up being drawn to the Scarecrow and then the Scarecrow would come to life and take care of things when, and so that's what I ended up doing. And that's, that's the story that I wrote. Um, and I had, you know, basically Scotty in the story trying to con more people. And there was this Mr. Phillips that came to investigate similar to what Albert Johnson had done, but he came representing several of the other uh, benefactors of, of this gold mine project or prospect. Scotty was trying to sell them on, or Scotty was was stringing them along with. And he had some personal issues with Walter Scott, and he had, you know, essentially been tracking him, and, and he was going to kill Walter Scott based on something that had happened to him or his family because of, of Walter Scott's shenanigans before. So that was going to be the act of vengeance that the Scarecrow would have to rise up and stop. So I wrote the story and I submitted it and it didn't didn't win the contest. And I don't know, you know, what kind of scores it received. I did ask uh, Nicole, the the main submissions editor there for the Dune Steve, if uh, she could provide any feedback. And I did get some of the feedback that people had wrote. And I pretty much agreed with all the negative feedback that I read. I knew going in that one of the biggest weaknesses of my story was that I had kind of hand-waved a lot of the um, history of Death Valley and the history of this avatar. And I didn't really explain it very well. I just kind of talked about legends and this, you know, that Death Valley was a stark warning against vengeance and that the the land and the animals and the, the plants told the legends of of this ancient civilization that happened. And I didn't really go into that enough. And I think that was probably one of my biggest weaknesses in the stories that nobody really understood what was going on. All these, all these great ideas that I had in the back of my head didn't really come out. It was, it was just kind of, like I said, hand waving and, uh, you know, throwing some, some flowery words out there. And, you know, I, I was trying to make it kind of like a, a comic book, you know, where you have the little, the little blocks of text that describe the scene and, you know, talk about things. And, and so that's kind of how I was building the story was kind of in a comic book approach, only a prose that really didn't come across. That really wasn't something that people understood that read the story. One of the ideas that I had as I was writing and kind of my initial intention was to have, you know, the two, these two characters, Scotty and Mr. Phillips coming back from surveying the land and the mine and the progression of things. And that, you know, Scotty would be trying to spin his tail and Phillips would kind of show some of his distrust and some of his wariness. Um, but then the two men would go inside and have dinner and drinks. And over dinner and drinks, you know, you would have this back and forth 
But in the process of that, Scotty would ex- would talk about these legends of Death Valley and these things that he had heard from the Indians and basically and things that they, that had been found out about the valley and all these legends about this ancient ancient civilization. And so that would kind of come out through this conversation that these that they were having and then eventually Mr. Phillips you know, Scotty would do something or say something and Mr. Phillips would, you know, become enraged. And, and at that point he would try to kill Scotty and Scotty would flee the castle, you know, flee this mansion and end up running up to this hill where the scarecrow was not on purpose, but just kind of being drawn to that or, you know, in running for his life, fleeing from Mr. Phillips, he would end up where the scarecrow was on this hill. And I guess the other thing too is I you know I really did study out the landscape and the the actual construction of the castle and you know how I kind of planned out you know where things would take place. I had had the scarecrow up on this this windy hill and that's a real place. I mean this is all real or okay it's all based on this real location. And so you know I kind of had fun looking at the castle and planning out in my mind where they would run and, and all these things. Um, but then, of course, it would be get to the point where Mr. Phillips was about to kill Scotty and then the Scarecrow would intervene and take care of business. And then, you know, just kind of have a little bit at the end where Scotty realizes that the Scarecrow is more than a Scarecrow at this point, or at least was during that time. And then it would kind of, you know, go off with a comic book type of ending of, uh, you know, who knows when, when the need will arise again to quench out justice kind of thing. So again, oh, I was going to say one of the other weaknesses that I realized, I didn't, and I didn't realize this until after I read some of the comments, was that in trying to be historically accurate about Walter Scott and some of the things that he had done, I didn't make him a likable enough character. And I don't think people cared if Walter Scott was killed or not, because he seemed to be this, this thief that conned people out of their money and didn't really care about anything. And so if I kind of would like to revisit the story and go back and make it longer and write out that conversation that happened between Phillips and Scotty and, you know, really delve into this history of Death Valley and the legends and things like that. Try to bring out more of that, you know, and really make that an engaging conversation. And then in the process, you know, I think I need to be, to do something to show Scotty as a, as a likable person. You know, he might not be the you know, more like a kind of a Han Solo kind of thing where he, he is a scoundrel and a smuggler and a con man, but he does have his good points and his charm. You know, there and there was something about Scotty, you know, I mean, even though Albert Johnson knew that he was being conned, he became friends with Scotty and he took care of him and he, he let him stay, basically take care of everything that he had in Nevada. And so there, there must have been something about Walter Scott that was charming, something about him that was likable. And so I, I, I need to bring that out more in that character. And because even though it's based on a real person, you know, I don't have to, 
I can have a little bit of leeway there in, in how I play the character, because it is a fictional story, of course. But all all said and done, I, I really enjoyed writing the story. I enjoyed the contest that gave me that inspiration, and I, you know, I I believe I will rewrite it. I might even try to submit it to somewhere like Pseudopod or something like that, or somewhere else. Who knows? Anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And I hope I have the opportunity to write more stories in the future. I can talk about them here, or not. <laughs> but I think that will just about do it for me tonight. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll come back again and find out what else is strewn along the path. Strewn Along the Path is produced under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Feel free to share it, but do not change it or sell it. The theme music, as always, is brought to you by Man in Space. <laughs>